number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Welcome to the Stuart Knight Show, where interesting, intriguing, and exciting people engage in unscripted exchanges of ideas, stories, and perspectives. It's not an interview. It's a powerful conversation. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Stuart Knight Show. I'm so glad you could join us today. This is a show that really hopefully challenges the way you think, gets you to boycott some of your old ways of thinking, and to really kind of just get you thinking about the relationship you have with so many different categories in your life. Uh, of course, with the intention of leading you to a life that brings you greater happiness and greater success. And to help me do that today, I have got Julie Daniluk. She is an expert in so many areas, but the one area where most people know her as is being a nutritionist, being someone who works in the industry of healthy living. Uh, she is a best-selling novelist. In she, well, not a novelist. I guess she's a best-selling author. She's not writing fiction. She's writing nonfiction, and she is somebody who travels the world as a speaker. She is a resident guest on the Marilyn Dennis Show, and she has a new book, which I believe is called Hot Detox, and it's been out for about eleven weeks now. I'm recording this, and it is already a bestseller. So let me say, Julie, welcome to the show. Ah, Stuart, it's wonderful to be on, and I can't wait to connect as we have, whenever I delve into your website, I see how much we have in common and how much I absolutely love what you're doing. So to be able to tuck in and and get to know your audience is an absolute joy. Thank you. You're the best. You're the best. Thank you for saying that. And it is a pleasure to have you because I know that you are really an expert um, in nutrition and in the work that you do on inflammation and detoxing and all the other great stuff. So did I get that right? That is your new book, Hot Detox, right? Yes, The Hot Detox. And I'm so happy it's had 11 weeks on the bestseller list. And people just love detoxification because it uh, it truly helps them attain a greater level of performance. And I know in what we do, it's all about performance enhancement. Mm-hmm. So if we can really clear out some of those... Yeah, some baggage we don't need anymore, then you'd be happily surprised how your energy and mental clarity can can really be elevated, which is fabulous. So how many times have you been a bestseller? Three times now. This is your third time. Super thrilled that all three books have gone to bestseller status and yeah it's it's a it's quite a thrill to do the cross-country tour and i know you do that all the time <laughs> it's so but fun like, but let me ask you like do you ever find yourself where it kind of freaks you out a little bit where you think of yourself as a bestseller because i mean i know you must have those moments where i i find myself sometimes thinking i'm still five years old playing in the sandbox in the small totally. town I grew up in. is it weird totally. for you totally Absolutely. I think the biggest thing is when people um, come up to you and they generate you as somebody who's extraordinary. When you yourself see <laughs> just the plain old uh, person who has has so many things to work on. So I think it's it's fabulous when you have those moments of recognition and you go, hey, you know, we, we have come a, a certain distance and that's something to be celebrated. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I do agree with that because I get people coming up to me at the end of my presentations sometimes and saying, oh, wow, you know, it's like you changed my life and, and they want me to be this guru who somehow had the magic wand and came through the room and said, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. I am, <laughs> I am Jesus Christ and I will change everybody's life. And as complimentary as, as it is and as wonderful as it is to hear it, uh, I just find myself recognizing that I played one part in that person changing their life. But of course, they're the ones who played the biggest part. And mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I'm quick to, to, uh, to correct people. But, you know, 
but you do know what you're doing, and you obviously do have a big impact on the lives of other people. Why did you choose... First of all, tell me how you describe yourself when someone asks you who you are at a party, and why did you choose to do that thing? Absolutely, I describe myself as a nutritionist, first, first and foremost, because okay. every minute of every day, I just uh, love figuring out how food heals you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just It's just this strange... Uh, I almost think maybe this part of my brain is, is, is a little bit like, uh, Ashburgers that I have an obsession for every food fact and they go in so easily and they're retained. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but yeah. I, I just, I just love it. It's so, it's so easy for me to, to go in this direction because of the flow. You know, when you're in your flow, it just, it just comes to you. Have you always loved it? I've always loved it. I mean, I've always, let's face it, anything like that, um, there, it's a relationship and my relationship has been rocky at times. My relationship has, it's been like a bad boyfriend where I've, I've had a couple, couple moments of intense, uh, rebels that probably I didn't need. Uh, and, and certainly I've had, uh, yeah, I think a, a healing of that relationship and a better marriage as life's gone on. Thank God. <laughs> so when you think about some of the bad relationships you've had with food and mm-hmm. nutrition, oh, uh, yeah. what, what, what's your darkest period? The darkest period is I had a full-fledged eating disorder in my late teens, early 20s when life felt very out of control. I mm-hmm. used food as a way to be in control. I used food as a way to soothe uh, and a, a way to rebel, a way to blank out. You know, it's so interesting. Heroin addicts can get off heroin and alcoholics can stop drinking, but but unfortunately, food addicts have to keep eating. Right. And so it's one of the only addictions that you have to walk down the middle of the road for the rest of your life playing chicken and and actually face yourself through that crazy relationship with what you put in your mouth. And uh, yeah, I'm so glad that I got massive therapy for it and, and had a breakthrough and, and found this world of healthy eating as a massive tool to heal. So help me unpack that because for someone who doesn't, mm. uh, who's never had that type of addiction, I've had other types of things where I could be addicted to Facebook for the day on, on some days, <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, I've just done this for four hours. What, what, um, what does it really feel like? Cause I know that we live in a world and, and I've, I got to admit, I've, I've probably could, could be blamed for this, where you're sitting in an airport, you're sitting in a restaurant, and you see somebody who is obese, and you see them eating an ice cream cone. And your brain says, look at that person. They are so overweight. Can't, do they not know how many calories are in that? They clearly are not trying. And it's so easy for people who don't have these addictions to look at somebody like that and to judge and to make some sort of assumption about them. But I want you, if you can, truly just describe for people who don't understand what it's like to be addicted to that. Like, why is it soothing? Or what, where is this control? How does it make you feel like you're in control? Like, what, what, mm-hmm. what are the positives that you, well, the, the quote unquote positives that you're getting from it? You know, Stuart, I really am glad that you're brave enough to ask that question because the way you started it, um, it's a minefield, right? Mm. But I will say that next time we see a person who is struggling with their weight and and is overeating, I want you to remember uh, when you say, hey, you know, why don't you have more willpower? It's all in your head. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't say that to a person without a leg. You wouldn't say, you know, it's all in your leg. 
<laughs> right. You really wouldn't have that mindset. But yet sure. we have absolute compassion and love for people undergoing cancer treatment because we see it as it's not their fault. Mm. But when we see somebody who's struggling with mental health issues, we immediately uh, judge them as a lack of willpower. And, and I've really started to unpack that and say, wow, we do have to recognize that the mind is just another part of the body and mm. that it is absolutely something that needs emotional first aid. Okay. And it's been a, a life changer for me when I got into um, this whole world and realized, you know, what I was putting in my mouth had nothing to do with the food itself. I mean, sure, sugar is addictive. It mm -hmm. literally lights up your brain like cocaine. Right. But, but the underlying cause was 100% emotional. And that once I, I got the therapy I needed to let go of the control and let go of my sadness and let go of all this stuff, the food addiction actually dropped away incredibly naturally, right. which was so awesome because it was just a symptom of the repression of my feelings. Okay. And, and that's the things I kept swinging the door open going, damn, why am I fighting with the door? And I wasn't fighting with the door. I was fighting with those feelings I was eating down. Uh, I see. wasn't fighting with the chocolate cake. I was, I was literally having that inner, inner battle. So I think the, the big piece around when that feels really good, know that when you stand there staring down that food that you know isn't good for you, it actually literally feels like you're standing on a cliff and you're literally like waving back and forth and that sensation of, am I going to leap? You get this massive rush of adrenaline and it, it's so similar to other addictions. So when we fall, there's like a, a huge neurological cascade that goes on with, with dopamine and serotonin and all these hormones that we get hit with immediately. And that's why we get trapped in this cycle. Um, but the good news is, is there's new ways to self-soothe. There's new ways to, to feel whole that has us, uh, have a deeper level of satisfaction. Okay. Um, so, and let us break up with it eventually. So then, um, when a person is addicted to food mm -hmm. and they're going through, let's say a period of on a particular day where they're feeling particularly depressed or out of control or angry and yeah. they choose to eat something that let's just say for, for, um, you know, for argument's sake, that's not sugar based. So they, they just choose to eat a sandwich. Um, do they feel the same rush in a moment like that, that maybe somebody who is, addicted to something else that whether it's a video games or drugs or alcohol, is it the same kind of rush? Is that what's going on for? No, I, I mean, you mean if somebody did have an issue, it really depends on, on whether you react to that specific food. Oh, so for example, if you have a gluten allergy and you eat that food, it's going to hit you very, very differently than if you have no issue with grains and you eat that food. Okay. So I do think it depends on your personal vulnerabilities, whether it hits you that hard. Okay. But if, if, if sandwiches are your drug of choice and I've met one client who literally said, I could give, I could give a crap about candy, but bread is my thing. Mm. Then for him, he felt like a heroin addict when he got around bread. He just felt like it was uncontrollable that he had to have it. Wow. And I'm so thrilled to say that he's on day 210 of going without standard bread. No kidding. And yeah, yeah. There's amazing, 
amazing breakthrough tools. And a big piece of it is, is understanding that you, you've got your needs. And if those needs are deeply fulfilled by that bread, then good luck breaking up with it. But if right. you can satisfy your needs with a new fulfillment, then you can slowly, I, I kind of think of it like methadone to heroin. Yeah. <laughs> if we can find you something that fulfills that and all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, that really works, right? So for him, we had to find uh, a flourless bun that was absolutely delicious. And okay. then we found him a wrap that was absolutely delicious. And he found enough of these direct substitutions that his brain, his his soul was deeply satisfied. And then he had the strength to let go. It was okay. really cool to watch. So that's that's basically the, the, the first step when somebody is addicted to food is to, uh, I guess, find the solution that's going to help them from a... a, a a physiological level straight away like let's let's, let's just because you're killing yourself on some level by putting that much of something into your mouth so let's find an alternative so that we can then move on to stage two which is to like really actually getting you to control it yeah and the only step i put before that is before we take anything out we want to uh first just see the what so so we get you to journal exactly what you're eating and and not edit yourself at all and then i would really ask you to uh, put good things in because once we fortify your system and solve nutritional deficiencies, then you're way more likely to be able to let go. So, yeah, because so many people, they don't realize that if they're vitamin D and omega-3 deficient, they're going to have a terrible deficiency in serotonin because omega-3 and vitamin D actually help you synthesize serotonin, your happiness hormone. So gosh, we got to really put the good things in and then that sort of outcrowds the negative enough. And then we find you direct substitutions and then we draw a line in the sand and we say, okay, are you ready to step through the door and let go? Just like you would checking into any sort of, of rehab program. Um, there's a moment where you say, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to find new ways to cope. Okay. Okay. So then would you say your own transformation, uh, is that what led you to want to help others? Is that why you're, you chose this as your career? A hundred percent. Why I do what I do today is purely because I was called to do it because I was having such an amazing experience and I just wanted to share it. It had nothing to do with like any strategy. I get asked all the time, Hey, did you ever write a business plan? Hell no. (laughs) This was just something that had to happen. It's as natural as playing for me. What what, what would you say to some people listening to this right now who are jealous hearing you say that and some level meaning that they just feel they could have had their aha moment, almost as if like, it's it's shitty that you had to go through what you went through to get there, but I'm sure you'd look back and, and on some level be thankful that you did go through it because it led you to your your calling. But so many people don't have those either near-death experiences, they don't have those bottom-of-the-barrel moments, and for that reason, they don't discover what that is. What, what would you say to them? Like, How would they discover that thing that they're supposed to do or maybe or one of the things they're supposed to do. Yeah, cuz that's one thing that I always say is is life is so relative. You know, we're all in the 0.001% of humanity at this time. If you're if you're eating uh, good food and drinking clean water and and driving around come on. Like we're in such a privileged state right. that um, we are talking about uh, a belief that we've that we've had um, 
this this world's bottoming out moment. And I think that people can look through their life and if they're really dipping in and touching down, they'll they'll see where um yeah, where their their bottom is. I think sometimes people have been trained since birth to be brave, to be to be courageous, to not let their feelings run amok. And sometimes without that um, fragility and vulnerability to let yourself go into all those gushy, ugly, dark places, um, it's easy to kind of go, I, I don't, I don't think I had one of those epiphanies, but I, I bet they're there if people looked. And yeah, I know for me, I, I think I want people to know that if you, if you really have no idea what you want to do, um, just starting with a mind map of the things that you absolutely love is certainly a great place to start because yeah. gosh, you and I like connect so deeply on the fact that every day is, is just, uh, <laughs> an ecstatic decision yeah. to do what we love for a living instead of, uh, putting up, we've just raised our standards. So we're not, uh, willing to earn $10 an hour or I guess now 14 50 an hour in our province. <laughs> right doing something that, um, anyway, I know I'm getting into a Pandora's box again because people are going to say I have no choice and I don't want them to feel like, um, I understand their circumstances, but I do know that even if it is on the side, you can start to do something you're passionate about. Cause I, I started my job at $6 and 85 cents an hour working in a health food store right. and I, and I worked there for 16 years <laughs> and that gave me a tremendous amount of reality check and then put my passion between six o'clock at night and midnight. So I did work 60 hours a week for many years before I broke out and did, did what uh, I absolutely am joyful about for a living. And I think if you can do your passion project on top of whatever job you have, um, it will it will give you tremendous success eventually. Yeah. I feel so confident in that. Yeah, I, I don't have a great deal of sympathy who people for people who say they just can't. I I, I think that the reality is is to say you can't say that you can't do what you want to do, but rather say because of my circumstances, it might take me longer than the sure. average person. By all means, I, you'll have all the all of the sympathy in the world I I, I have for you in those situations. But um, to say that it's not even an option, well, you're just not trying then. So so I like what you said though. Start start off by writing down a bunch of the things that you really enjoy doing, things that make you happy, mm-hmm. and ask yourself, you know, what would it what, what what could I do with that if 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 I could just snap my fingers and and and, and be there and, and and so that actually leads me to a question. Speaking of snapping your fingers, you know, when you think about the uh, health issues that we're facing today in our society, whether it is too much sugar, too much coffee, um, or it's us eating genetically modified foods, <laughs> what is it that concerns you the most? If you could just snap your fingers and have everyone out there make one positive change with respect to their diet uh, or what they eat or what they do, what, what would it be? Only one, eh? Yeah, I know. I want to say five. Okay, okay, give me five. Give me five. Okay, okay. Oh, my God. Well, that's very generous of you. But I will start with one-third of North Americans eat 50% of their calories from junk food. What? Yeah. And one, one in four North Americans eat fast food daily. Whoa. Yeah, like in a fast food restaurant. They visit a fast food restaurant 
daily, one in four. 25% of the population goes to a fast food restaurant every day. Every day. Holy every shit. Day. That's crazy. Yeah. And I think um, my greatest wish is for them to get in touch with how delicious healthy feels. Like if they could just know that healthy feels better than any sort of food they could ever put in their mouth. I just, I just wish I could um, have them fast forward in time. Right. It's like in, in Dickens where you just go into this gorgeous place and you stand inside a body that's 100% functioning and you're clear as a whip and positive and you're just gushing with endorphins and everything works again. You and must, have people know that that's what that's what food can get you. Then I think we can get a whole bunch of people on board. <laughs> <laughs> you must, you must hear this all the time where people say, "Why didn't I do this sooner?" Oh, all the time, yeah, absolutely. Especially when some of my greatest transformations have been with women in their in their late fifties. Okay, and what, yeah, that's what, where we see a lot of people where they're at the crossroads in their life mm -hmm. and things have really slid, and they have to do it. And then when they, when they transform, they say, oh my gosh, to know, I wish I knew in my 30s that this was available, or 20s, and, and that I could have had 20 or 30 more years of joy. So and, what, what do they come with you? Living. When they come to you, what do they say? Like, are, they, are, they, are they tired? Are they feeling sick? Are they getting sick all the time? What's their, what's their mm -hmm. issue? Yeah, most of the people who come to see me, uh, it's because they're they're in pain. Because my first book is Meals That Heal Inflammation. I'm dealing with a lot of tough cases of rheumatoid arthritis, uh, autoimmune conditions like MS, and right. a lot a lot of really tough situations. And when people um, really take it on, you know, it takes about a hundred days. But people will start to see results within two weeks. The first thing that we see is mental clarity come back because as the inflammation clears out of the brain, you have more of an ability to put uh, your thoughts together and you have a real ability to, to see optimism. The, that depressive blanket could be completely chemical. It could be completely based on inflammatory foods in your menu, especially if it's, if it's um, stoked with a lot of anxiety and panic attacks and aggression. Okay. I hope people can, can just try on this uh, way of being long enough to um, my, my yogi says to me, you know, I don't, I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm asking you to suspend your disbelief long enough <laughs> to truly try it on. Because if you do that, then it becomes your belief inside your soul instead of what I told you to do. And it can completely change your life. So that's one thing I, I, yes. Infl so in inflammation in the brain. Yes. So what does that mean? Okay. So we are seeing a lot of people who have a weak blood-brain barrier. So we have a gut lining, right? So when our gut lining becomes leaky, then food particles uh, and toxins and bacteria and yeast are unfortunately able to cross that barrier into our bloodstream, and it's never supposed to. And okay. when it's there with this leaky gut syndrome, which is at the root of a lot of people's health problems, then we have these autoimmune complexes where we have these immune complexes lodge in the joints and cause joint pain or lodge in the muscles and cause muscle pain. 
And unfortunately, when things get really bad, we also see uh, our brain barrier, a blood brain barrier getting weaker and unfortunate inflammatory um, markers really accentuate in our brain. And one of the worst things we see is uh, I'm sure you may have heard of amyloid plaque, which happens in the brain. Okay. And that's what's in the background of people losing their memory. Um, that's, uh, you know, leading cause of Alzheimer's disease. Mm. And so we really, truly want to help reduce that inflammatory response so that the brain can have, you know, a reduced inflammatory response and for us to be able to have that that joy return and our memories return and our and our ability to make a difference in the world because that's our truest uh, calling mm -hmm. is to be a contribution and people uh, want it so much for themselves and they just don't know how good they can feel once they get there. So now would you say that there are particular foods that most often you see people consuming that are causing this inflammation? Absolutely. You've yeah. hit the nail on the head. Those are the big ones. The seven most inflammatory foods would be white foods, uh, white flour, especially mm -hmm. glutinous flour is really problematic. And of course that's hiding in our cookies, our bread, our croissants, <laughs> all those right. very tempting things. Mm -hmm. um, and those spike our insulin. And now we understand that by spiking insulin over and over again, we're driving inflammation of both the body and the brain, uh, very much so. And then okay. another one is French fries, potatoes, can be very problematic, especially when we deep fry them because it creates this toxin called acrylamide. Okay. And grilling food can be a bit problematic. Like try to avoid the black marks on food. Try to trim those away is really, really important. And then a big, big, big one for everyone is is drinking your calories, especially cola is, is horrific with that caramel coloring in it. Okay. And another one would be probably ice cream, which is really funny because people crave ice cream so much. It's one of the... It's the closest thing to human breast milk. Is it really? <laughs> when you break it down, the amount of sugar and the amount of fat in ice cream is very, very close to human breast milk. So we crave it when we're stressed. It's like, mama, I've had some really bad day. I want some boob. And we go to the freezer and we get out that crazy cherry Garcia ice cream and polish off the pint without even thinking about it. Wow. So, so is that, so that's actually a real thing. Like you're not just being funny, like people actually, there's a correlation between those two things, like eating ice cream and on some level biologically thinking you. Well, all I've done is I've analyzed uh, the fact that human milk is much sweeter than cow's milk. Mm. So cow's milk didn't do it for us. We needed to sweeten sweeten uh, cow's milk to make it closer to human milk and presto changer we have we have ice cream okay yeah right <laughs> and then when we freeze it uh we make it even more delightful for the average palate so now we literally are craving that comfort food that we had all through our early years so it, that's why it's no surprise when people run towards ice cream okay and what about alcohol in all of this Oh, yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. I mean, I find it really hilarious that alcohol often tops the list of anti-inflammatory foods because, let's face it, red wine is high in this resveratrol, this wonderful chemical of anti-inflammatory health. But the, but the funny thing is, is the dosage. A woman's dosage for anti-inflammatory wine is two and a half ounces. Have you ever met a woman who can stick to two and a half ounces? Ever <laughs> so met a woman who can stick to that? That's yeah, all she's supposed to have. Yeah, and men, it's two, two servings, so five ounces is the max. 
before it becomes inflammatory. And the uh, average woman, you know, we love to sit down together. Women, women have this whole like wine and wine at nine, where we sit down and polish off a bottle of wine together as a way to connect and, and de-stress. And unfortunately, when we're tipping into that dosage, it becomes unfortunately very inflammatory. It converts. So after those two and a half ounces for women, you're, you're now moving into an inflammatory uh, yeah, because it's very stressful to the liver uh, because our liver has to bump all other processes because alcohol is is quite toxic to the body. Your your body has to put dealing with its hormones on the back burner and breaking down all this fat on the back burner and all of a sudden has to prioritize the alcohol. So you're kind of putting your whole body on hold when you're drinking wine or drinking any hard alcohol. And that's why I, I just need to ask people – um, yeah, if, if you are really having a health crisis, alcohol, um, just basically makes every priority go on the pause button. And can you afford that pause? Uh, Most people can't, right? especially if it's a daily occurrence. Okay. That, that's interesting. Cause like, cause I know, and I think I've even spoken to you about this in the past about how, at uh, a party. yes, I know, <laughs> I know probably with a drink in my hand. Um, and that's something I get concerned about because I do have such a social lifestyle and we know that you live in a city or forget about living in a small town doesn't make a difference when people get together they always seem to say well we should do it over alcohol and and i'm no different uh, i make plans with a buddy hey i'll meet you for a beer and why it shouldn't be coffee or why it shouldn't just be a glass of water or why do we even need an, a, a, a liquid in a glass to be consuming um and so I do think about this a lot about how uh, I like the way you put it. I'm basically putting my body on pause to do what it's probably doing well, cleaning up other parts of the body so that it can handle and take care of the alcohol that I'm consuming. Yes, absolutely. And I do want to just speak to how there's the young generation coming in that's really changing that paradigm. And I'm really happy to be part of a nutrition posse. You know, one of our mutual friends is Joy McCarthy, and mm-hmm. we get together, and that posse actually uh, makes health elixirs at our parties. So it is fun to see that there is a blossoming new concept, a new reality um, that is afoot, but it's just um, being the trailblazer, being the brave one to be the dry one at the party yeah. uh, takes uh, takes some yeah, it takes some chutzpah to, to get it started. But once you've started it, you'd be fascinated. Like I throw a lot of parties and there's always free flowing alcohol that other people bring. Mm-hmm. And I just find it so fun to have that contact high and to wake up the next day feeling freaking amazing. Yes. Because I didn't have two or three glasses of wine the night before, but I also have the ability to dance because people have their their prohibit their their real inhibitions are down, so they're out on the dance floor, and that's that's something I can join in in because I'm kind of like having that moment of acting high, and I I don't think I'm even acting. I think I am high yeah. purely because um yeah because you get used to changing your state without the need for a substance right which is cool it's yeah. a, it's a reconditioning isn't it I I know that um for years. 
I would, I would be your one of those classic guys. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd make myself a cup of coffee, and then I'd make myself a second cup of coffee, and then I'd go throughout my day. <laughs> I was the, oh yeah, I was that guy. You just love chasing the high. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And then, um, and uh, I, I, it gave me digestive issues. And one day, I think I, it, it probably was Joy McCarthy who I asked about it, and and she had educated me on the spikes of insulin and what caffeine does to your body. And and anyway, she wasn't like so many nutritionists uh, are they don't say you should never drink coffee again but she just yeah. you know got me thinking about the, the role it played well I decided to just in my case stop drinking coffee for a while and I gotta say for the first while it was literally the equivalent probably to someone stopping smoking it just felt so odd to not <laughs> drink a cup of coffee and mm-hmm. but that was probably I would guess 15 years ago and, and I haven't drank a cup of coffee in 15 years. And it doesn't cross my mind. It hasn't crossed my mind probably for about 14 and a half years. And and you just realize that it is conditioning. My brain thought, oh, of course, it's the morning. I have to have a cup of coffee. Oh, of course, I'm seeing a buddy. We have to do it over beer. And, and if you just start reconditioning your brain, I think that you'll just look back at your life and you'll, you won't even recognize the person who felt that they had to do those things. I love that. Thank you. That's that's a that's a gem. And and to quote Tony Robbins, one of my uh, thought leaders at this time. Oh yeah. You know, he says when when you think you can't do it, you must do it. Yeah. And and I always say like, okay, so if you're so attached to the substance that it's it, it must be part of your lifestyle, could you be curious? to just see what it would feel like to let go. Because if you're, if you're really like, I can't let go, then you're like, Hmm, that's like, Hmm, that's yeah, big. Right. right. So, it's telling you something. It's, yeah. it's like, um, those silent retreats. Uh, yeah. I've always Ooh. been scared. I've always been scared to go on them, which of course is the greatest indicator that, that I have an attachment on some level to either being heard or being able to speak, or I'm worried that I, I don't know what it is, but there's for sure something there where my brother has done it. And he's like, you should really do it. My neighbor has done it. You should really, and like, I have had so many friends who've done it. They've told me how much of an impact it's had in their life. 10 days of silent retreat where you don't speak for, for 10 full days. And, um, I just, uh, I think you're right. Like if, if, if you think you can't do something, there's gotta be something deeper there. Cause it's a trigger. It's pulling up something for you emotionally. And once it's unpacked, it's it's fantastic. It just informs you so much. I think it is hysterical that that's one of your big resistances because I share it, right? Like you mm. and I talk for a living. So, of course, yeah. we're going to be like, what do you mean you're taking away exactly what I'm good at right. for 10 whole days? <laughs> Can we just do it for two days? <laughs> Can I try it on for a weekend? <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, yeah. Wow. That's really fun. So, so listen. Want to go together? That would be like. Oh really God! Forget it! Forget it! I wouldn't even be able to look at you. I'd just start laughing. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I like. I watch me. I'd be like slipping you notes. Yeah. <laughs> like no. I'd be like. I, I would at least know what one other person's going through. Yeah, yeah. Um. So let's let's switch gears for a second here, and yes. I just want to get a bit of a take on just your entrepreneurial life because sure. one of the things that I'm aware of is that. Uh, there's a few nutrition schools across the country of Canada and, and many across the whole North America. And every year they're spitting out, I don't know, a, a hundred graduates from the program, 50 graduates, a thousand graduates. There's, there's people who are continuously graduating from this program and they all want to become 
but you are. They all want to become best-selling authors. They all want to have, uh, you know, be popular in social media. They want to be able to do speaking tours. What is it that when you think about what you do consistently, and it can be a few things, but what is it that you've done to be as successful as you are in a field that is so saturated, that has so mm-hmm. many people wanting to be uh, at the top of the game? I think the biggest thing is to keep a sense of um, not all, I would say a sense of innocence that you don't know the way. Like I believe that there will never be a Dan Luck diet because there's 7 billion diets for 7 billion people. And it's extremely important to stay humble because nutrition science is extremely young. And therefore I wake up every morning and I read the journals. Mm -hmm. So instead of checking social media, The first thing I love to do is to check the nutrition journals to see any updates that's come down. Okay. Um, And the second thing that I do, I think, consistently is I walk my talk. So if I'm developing a new menu, I better have lived it. If if I'm asking any person to try a protocol, I better have walked the fire myself because it's just not fair to think of this as a theoretical concept. Mm -hmm. Nutrition is is so interesting. It's one of the the few things that become part of your very being. So right. therefore, it's such an intimate relationship that I think it's it's super important for us to yeah, for us to be careful in uh knowing that so that we can be compassionate at all times to people's choices and throw judgment completely out the door. One of the greatest things I ever did was to go straight from nutrition school to, you know, I I went on to George Brown to learn cooking. And then I went on to eating psychology school because I needed to put in the piece of psychology um, because a person who just creates a menu plan will be in the most frustrated profession of all, because 99.9% of people who come to see you will not follow a menu plan. Right. So it's so important for us to, um, be just a, I I like to think of myself like the lighthouse. Mm -hmm. I'm the lighthouse keeper. Okay. And people are really finding their own safe way to shore. And I'm here to facilitate. And I think with that concept, then, um, be attracted to your light. So would you say then that um, when you think about the success that you've reached and, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm hearing you talk about how you read these journals, you went and you took more schooling than you had to, you could have gone right into the uh, industry. Um, do you feel when you compare yourself to other people who maybe haven't reached the same level of success, do you think, and it's okay to say yes to this, but do you think you've just, have you worked harder? Have you been more consistent in, um, in, in your thirst for knowledge, uh, to be an expert? Because I, I, I guess I just, I think about uh, something I saw not too long ago with Will Smith and he said, yes, I'm talented at what I do. I don't deny that. He says, but the reason why I've reached the level of success I have is because while you were eating, I was working. And while you were sleeping, I was working and he really chalks, <laughs> he, he chalks it up to like, no matter what you were doing, I was probably working while you were having fun. So, um, is it because of that? Do you think you've just been more committed? Because I know there's other other people who are as, as successful as you are, people that we know um, who have who have put in the same amount of effort you have. But do you find that other people aren't? Well, I think a big piece of it is is 
we, we started this conversation about passion mm-hmm. and I think that I live this lifestyle every single minute of every single day. And so when you're in it that far, when you've burned the boats and this is all you do, you're right. moving forward and that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. Then there's a commitment level that has you, uh, yeah, being successful because there is no other option. Right. Where I think for people who allow themselves, um, allow themselves a back door, allow themselves uh, cheat days that allow themselves. And I'm, I'm not saying that you can't have fun. Sure. But but for me, I, you know, eating white flour and white sugar would, I think, be a slap in the face to my cancer patient. Like, right. I feel like I have to live that life with them so that they feel I am 100% holding the space for them to heal. I'm a stand for their wellness by carrying that torch. And that's, I think, does make a massive difference at the end of the day. And I hope that young people coming up do remember that I have had, you know, I graduated in 1999. Right. For, for goodness sake, like I was part of the Prince song. Like, like this, is, <laughs> this is like, oh my gosh, I'm yeah. coming up on 20 years of doing this. Yes. And I think people really need to forgive themselves if they're at the beginning or the middle of the journey, because they just they just get to know that uh, I'll be super kind to them as they're coming up the ladder because I'm going to topple down the ladder at some point and hopefully they'll remember that I I pulled them up a rung. You know, yeah. we all have to be in this together and and not have it was a big piece to try to let go of my judgment around people's success because it's so humorous that it's never enough. Like I look yeah. at Chris Carr who has millions of followers on Facebook and she is my superhero. And I would often ask myself like, what would it take to get there? And I'm like, come on, Jules, like relax. Yeah. Let go. You're doing so, well. Yeah. If people just know that, um, there's always someone who's going to be further along than you. Mm-hmm. Um, then it helps you go, yeah, you know what? I'm doing great if today I'm a contribution and that's all that matters. Yeah. I always say this to people. I can't, uh, so often I, I say to someone, don't like, just don't think of the short term, like really recognize that if you're into doing something great, whether it's starting a company or whether it is becoming the CEO of a comp- uh, of a company, um, something big, whatever it happens to be, it doesn't even have to be in your business life. You have to be in it for the long game. And when you say that you've been doing this for 20 years now, uh, I often find myself laughing, thinking, I can't, I can't believe I've been doing this for over 20 years. And it feels like just yesterday that I was starting, but it really is now in my life that I realize how all of that work led me to being able to do what I do well today. And, and in, when I look back at video footage of myself 20 years ago, it makes me yeah. cringe. I can't, I used to think, and I used to, I was convinced I was very, very good, uh, back then. And, and I probably was okay just by tapping into raw talent, but the way that I've honed my craft, uh, is so, uh, obvious to me now um, when I have that reference point. So when people are thinking about doing anything, they have to recognize that, yes, we live in a world where we can blink and we, we can almost get anything we want. You Google it and there's your answer straight away. But as far as being successful at something that's really big, that's the one thing you can't get uh, an answer to in 0.36 seconds. 
Yeah, because if we look at even um, people who are considered prodigies, like Wayne Gretzky. Well, mm -hmm. he did have his 10,000 hours before 10 years old. Yes. So it's not like he got to short form his workload. He just power lifted it. You know, he right. just consumed those 10,000 hours really young. So if anyone is, is needing that relaxation, read Malcolm Gladwell's um, books, because I, I can't believe how much he helped me relax and know, wow, yeah, what is an outlier? It's a person who who found some way to put those 10,000 hours in um, at, at a velocity. That's and, right. And that's what's easy when it is something you love because then you aren't feeling tortured by it. You're feeling really somewhat delighted by most of, most of the journey. And I'm not going to lie, of course, when I'm in the seventh edit of a book that has 1,200 scientific references, <laughs> I, I, I do hate that moment. Yes. But um, luckily, the sweetness of the book tour and all those moments that I love on the road actually make all those labor moments worth it that's right and that's where you need those um, coping mechanisms like you just like yeah. you said where someone chooses a different uh, form of bread to eat that is going to be their cope uh, way of coping with their addiction to bread uh yeah. in, in those moments when you're editing something and you just want to blow your brains out and you're just like oh my <laughs> god i can't believe i'm doing this that's yeah. when your coping mechanism might have to be to take five minutes close your eyes and picture the book tour and all the joy you're going to have when you get to that point. And then you're like, okay, I just, you know, I just bought yeah. myself another hour of editing here. So, you That's know, beautiful. Uh, I thank was, you for that reminder. Yeah. There's times when I'm like, ah, no, I, I know I get it. You know, I was um, <laughs> listening to, um, uh, an article, I think I was reading an article recently and I thought it was so fascinating about, um, and some people hearing this might've, might've read the same article, but it talks about, um, I think it was last year uh, or a couple of years ago, there's this guy who lives in Quebec City. Uh, oh, sorry, he lives in Quebec and he lives close to uh, Mount Tremblant. And every morning he goes into this outdoor rink at around nine o'clock in the morning and he, and he just skates for about an hour and then he goes about his day. And he's uh, around 19, 20 years old and he went pretty far with hockey. He's like junior AAA or something, but he's clearly not going to make it to the NHL and he understands that. So I think it was last year, he was having a morning skate and, a, and no one's ever there. And, a, and his car pulls up and who jumps out of the car but Sidney Crosby. And he's just dumbfounded. He can't believe that Sidney Crosby has walked up to the ice and he's like, hi, Sidney, like, what are you doing here? And he says, well, you know, this is the one week vacation that most uh, NHL players have and most of the people are on vacation. And I'm here up at uh, Mount Tremblant vacationing with my girlfriend, but there's a part of my game recently that when I get into the corner, I realize that I'm having a hard time just coming out on my, on my backhand or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the guy's like, oh, yeah. And he goes, listen, would you, would you mind helping me with it? And the guy's like, of course, the chance to work out with Sidney Crosby. Who would say no to that? And so the guy gets – Sidney Crosby gets his girlfriend's boots and comes out onto the ice with his skates and puts, like, her boots down almost like pylons – and goes into the corner and, and gets this other guy to kind of play the role of the defenseman so he can just work on that just one aspect of his game in that one corner in that one moment. And here he is on vacation, the greatest player in the game, while all the other people who are on their vacations are quite likely sitting on a beach in Mexico having fun until they got, <laughs> until they got to go back to work. 
And he's still working on his game. And it just reminded me of like that, those 10,000 hours, or in some cases, mm. it's 100,000 hours, where if you want to be the best at anything you do, you can't just put in 30 minutes a week. You, you got to put in that time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's such a fun one. I yeah. love that. Is that great? Yeah, it's beautiful. I don't know how many times um, I'll, somebody will say, you know, you're, you're, book signings are 90 minutes. What? What? Or, you know, I've, I just, because you want to help every single last person in line Mm -hmm. because it is such a a joy to be that contribution to those people. And I think, um, it's so strange when people want to get away and they're like, Oh, I can't wait till this is over. And I'm like, but this is the good part. This is the payback part. This is the, this is why we do all this for. So how fascinating to hear that the great man himself, one of the greatest uh, hockey players of our time right now is willing to do that. That really shows how it is his hundred percent passion still. That's it. So cool. Yeah. So before I let you go, I just, a couple of questions, you know, really quickly, what would you say? So the fact that you have, managed to get to where you are in your career today. Um, what is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned about yourself, you know, by either choosing to be an entrepreneur or by being an entrepreneur or by being someone who followed their heart? You can say it however you'd like, but what's something you've really learned about yourself uh, along these 20 years? Um, I think, I think the biggest piece is the, um, just once you taste the independence of being an entrepreneur, uh, it's, it, it, you couldn't imagine ever having someone tell you that at this hour, at this moment, you'll have to do this. Mm-hmm. So when people are worried about whether they could handle the rigors of being an entrepreneur, just remember the deliciousness that comes with being your own boss and saying, um, wow, I choose to do it this way. Uh, today. Okay. And that's one thing that, that was a game changer for me is when I found this self discipline that I didn't know I had because I used to have to clock, literally punch in and punch out of a health food store time clock. And so when I showed up for 60 hours for myself, I was like, wow, I'd way rather work 60 hours for myself than 40 hours for a corporation. That's one thing you learn quickly. Right. And I want people to really just savor and, and imagine the freedom of self-creation and the person you have to become in order to have that self-discipline and create something magnificent uh, will absolutely raise your standards of your whole life. Every aspect of your life improves when you make a breakthrough in this area. Um, yeah. So I hope people can take that away and, and savor the dream and whatever they want to create. So what's, what's one little trick that uh, when it comes to discipline, what do you do? Do you, do you wake mm. up at five 30 every day and do an hour? <laughs> <laughs> like I know I want to, but I don't do it. I have other ways mm. of disciplining myself. What, what, what's an area where you, you can say that you, that you really make sure that you, you are consistently doing as far as your discipline goes. Yeah. One of my greatest areas of discipline lately has been priming myself with breath because it's so outside the norm. Like most people are like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) But I I actually um, 
you know, been doing yoga for a number of years and doing asana is one thing, but once you really get into this pranayama business, it completely changes your state and you can feel literally like you've smoked a joint and all you've done is, is, is breathe in a, in a particular pattern. Really? So that's one thing I do very consistently. I'm actually a free diver and my breath hold is now three minutes and, and 30 seconds. I broke my record recently Holy and crap. I just love the discipline because it is so, um, it's actually really convertible. So wherever you're disciplined, you transfer that discipline to other areas of your life because you're shocked that you could accomplish something like that. So, so, yeah. so when you say that you're, you're doing this kind of breathing, is it something that you're yeah. doing kind of before you go on stage or before you start your day or before you, yes, both. yeah. Okay. Everywhere. So I have a different breath. So I have like a fire breath. If I need more energy, I have, a real uh, pattern that actually slows your your nervous system and switches you from the fight or flight response into your parasympathetic nervous system. So you can fall asleep in just a few minutes. If you mm-hmm. come off stage and it's 11 o'clock and you're in a different time zone, you know how hard it is to get right. to sleep. You can be wired for hours. So it's amazing by manipulating your breath, how you literally are able to talk to the vagus nerve and that will switch you into relaxation. And then when I need more energy, the fire breath really fires me up so that I can power on stage and feel like I can give 100%. Was it hard to learn how to do this breathing? Oh, no, not really. I mean, uh, the first initial breaths take like an hour to learn. And then as you graduate, you'll get into cooler and cooler patterns. But the first one uh, I teach in my one hour workshop, which is you breathe in for 10 seconds and out for up to 20 seconds. So you always double your breath when you're first learning the relaxation breath. So it's in for five, out for 10 would be probably the easiest one to start with. So you just breathe in for 10 and then out. Sorry, you breathe in. Oh, I'm so used to doing breathe in for you, 10 and for 20. But, yeah. <laughs> but breathe in for five and out for 10. And by, by doubling your exhale, you really switch on that relaxation response called your parasympathetic nervous system. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And, and I think that for those listening, uh, once again, don't stress out if you breathe in for five and you can only make it to eight seconds on the way up. Yeah, get, totally. You'll get to nine, you'll get to 10, you'll eventually get to yeah. 20 and, and to... Uh, totally. Wow, that's amazing. That, that's such a great uh, that's a, that's a great uh, lesson to learn. And, and I know that um, I remember I had learned something from that from Anthony Robbins actually many many years ago, where he was talking about increasing your energy. And I think it was something like in for seven, out for four, in for seven, hold for fourteen, out for twenty eight. I'm messing those numbers. I knew it was in multiples of seven, and yeah. his was yeah. about uh, basically oxidizing your bloodstream in yes. order to give yourself more energy. Yeah, it's very alkalizing, that sort of breath. And, and you know, it's so fun to move into these realms that in the past would be seen as woo-woo, and now we're backing it up with hard science. Like, they now know they can test your blood and see you're more alkaline when you breathe this way, right? Really? It's so cool that we, we see the science coming in to back up yogic tradition that's 5,000 years old. So I think it's time for people just to try it on, especially those people who say, I can't meditate. I have ADHD. Anybody who feels like they can't do it, this is the area of discomfort that once you unpack, you will feel amazing that you have a breakthrough right right you know it's true and uh and like you said it's been around for five thousand years it, it, there might be something to this yeah <laughs> we, sure we, we might want to take a look at it and i, yeah. and I always find it so funny because you do it and then you end up feeling so much better and then guess what the next day you don't do it 
You're like, what the hell? What's wrong with me? So you, you really do have to get consistent. And, and if, even if it means just putting off, uh, as silly as it may sound, uh, an alarm that goes off on your calendar on the computer that you work at, that it goes off every two hours and just says, don't forget to breathe. And yeah, it feels foolish that to even need that, but it goes off, you look at it, you laugh at yourself, and you, and you take 30 seconds to just do that breathing exercise and go right back to work. And, and what you're doing for yourself is so important. And as you said, getting yourself into that alkaline, uh, the state of, uh, of being alkaline, because yeah. I know there's a great documentary that just came out um, called Heal on Netflix. Mm. And mm. They, they talk about how most disease is uh, it, it likes to reside in a body that is um, acid. Uh, acid, thank you. I'm like, what's the opposite of alkaline? Yeah, so acidic, yeah. And yeah. and many of us have acidic bodies. Is that, mm-hmm. Can I say acidic bodies? Is that a way of saying it? Oh, yeah. I mean, our pH becomes acidic from inflammatory foods. So the white flour, the white sugar, the holding our breath, these are all things that make you more acid. And by breathing deeper and by taking in all the plant foods that are very high in minerals, boom, we become alkaline and we're more able to fight off those diseases and, and feel happy. And and we're in control of our state. Even though our circumstances could be really painful, we can choose how we react to them. And, and that's what I'm really here to uh, to facilitate is let's let's get people into this high vibe place and see that they can climb the peak any minute. That's amazing. Well, you know what? That's a perfect spot to kind of bring this to a close because you <laughs> cool. know I want I want people to know about um, the work that you do because I know that in fact at the beginning of this call before we went into the recording um, I was telling Julie that I would like to hire her services uh, to to work with her because um, we all need coaches in, in areas of our lives and the smartest thing we can do is to. Um, is, is to hire those people who are experts uh, in their field or read their books or listen to their podcasts or follow them on Instagram, whatever it is, so that you can get that information that they've taken a lot longer than we have to get it to gain and apply it to our lives. So, so for people who are listening to this right now and who do want to decrease their inflammation, who do want to have more energy, who do want to lose their addictions to food. Um, I know you've got the hot detox that's out right Mm -hmm. now. I'm guessing that's on all the major channels like your Amazon and yeah, absolutely. The book's a great place to start. And also I decided to create a real entry-level cleanse that I thought I could offer to your listeners for only $20. It's normally $30. Okay. Um, so we'll just offer it to them at that discount. And that's just a three-day, get your feet wet, try it on kind of cleanse that uh, really introduces you to a ton of really easy-to-make smoothies and soups. Because everyone tells me they have no time. Well, let me really help you make some delicious food that will give you time back in your calendar because it was so fast and easy to make. Awesome. Where do they go for that? Yeah. Well, we can certainly create a link. And of course we do also have it on our website. It's our three day warm cleanse. Three day warm cleanse. Okay. So mm-hmm. they're going to your website. Well, we're going to make sure that we put all that information cool. uh, in at the bottom of this, uh, wherever you're watching this podcast, just, <laughs> just, just look below. Okay. Don't worry. It's, yeah. It's, and also I do have, of course, all my social media feeds are the same. It's at Julie Danluk. So it's nice and easy. As long as people remember it's D-A-N-I-L-U-K, they can find me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you. You want to make sure that you're following Julie on, on Instagram or Twitter or through her 
worked at fan page, whatever it is, guys, like follower, because um, I know you're going to be so excited by the information that comes out. Because look at you know, you got somebody who wakes up and is a total nerd and reads journals. <laughs> like you can't get better than that. Like she's gonna, she's reading the journals for you while you're sitting there, you know, uh, watching Game of Thrones. She, she, she's she's reading the journals for you. So tap into that woman's brain. So well, I I, I also encourage everyone to get the book and to. Um, you know, really stay in your world. And, and I know you also do personal uh, consulting too, right? Well, we run a transformation program that's very special. It's a hundred days and we basically walk people through every single step of a transformation. And we do it in a group coaching format that works so well for people. People absolutely love that. Okay. And then a few times a year, we also do um, a live cleanse where we all cleanse together for 21 days and we get on coaching calls, which is also very exciting. So there's many ways to plug in uh, depending on what level you're ready to jump into. All so right. thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about that. And um, this has been such a fun conversation because you go so off script. I love the fact that <laughs> it's, it's it's like we're in a four-wheel vehicle and we're totally off-road right now. <laughs> it was really fun. Well, I'm glad you said that because I know that I always worry about uh, whether or not I'm pissing my guests off by saying, you know what, I, I, I send you as – the people who are listening to they don't know, but I, of course I send questions to my guests and, and it's rare that I ever really stick to the list and they're like, Oh, <laughs> thanks dude. I prepared answers to those questions. Are we going to get to those at some point? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's all good. I mean, everything you asked was really soul searching and I think that's what people are ready for because the podcast, the podcast world is very busy and thank goodness you're giving people something deeper. So awesome. thank you. Well, thanks for saying that. And thanks for being on the show and we're going to make sure all those of those of you who are listening are going to, have access to Julie's world and Julie until our paths cross again soon hopefully it's not at a party where I'm drinking alcohol uh, but, <laughs> but rather <laughs> uh, in the middle of a 10-day retreat uh, okay yeah, th- absolutely we'll have fun awesome uh, yes talk soon yeah thanks for being on the show the number you have dialed has been changed the new number is Thank you for tuning in to The Stuart Knight Show. We hope you've enjoyed this powerful conversation. People are fascinating, and so are you. And the right questions will prove it. We'll prove it.